Welcome to the Business Benchmark Group podcast, where you'll learn how to think strategically about your business and discover that while business is not easy, it doesn't need to be hard. With over 20 years experience in turning stalling businesses into thriving enterprises, here is your host, Stefan Kazakis, the founder and CEO of Business Benchmark Group. Hi, I'm Stefan Kazakis from Business Benchmark Group. And uh, in our in our, in our podcast episode coming up, it's a it's a privilege to be, I guess, uh, you know, working with clients and 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 helping and guiding every one of you. But what is um, also very uh, apparent to me and, and and the team here at Business Benchmark Group, every one of you has a story that's so worth sharing and 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 ultimately uh, uh, using that as again the. Uh, not so much the inspiration that just for the moment gets us going, but the inspiration that just confirms uh, every one of us at every stage, good or bad, is a uh, an opportunity to do something, change something, be uh, I guess prepared to 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 be nimble and be flexible and adaptable, and and the uh, and 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 the case study, the client that we are going to be sharing a uh, I guess a, a a story with in this uh, in this episode during our podcast is is Julie Quinton from. Uh, Quinton Super IGA in Warrantai, just a, a phenomenal human being with an amazing, I guess, uh, journey in business and, and a much-loved uh, 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 leader in the community, a much-loved mother and, and, uh, and, and grandmother and just an all-round champion at, uh, at, at, I guess, everything that's decent in, uh, in, in the world we live in. And it's just amazing to hear her, uh, her story and how she took over the, uh, the Quinton's IGA business um, um, after a devastating family event and what she needed to do and grow and learn at a very fast pace in real time to get her from the her point B to what is, uh, you know, in her sharing point, point, uh, point C, D and E. And uh, I guess, you know, how, how in, a, in a family business, you know, we, we, we shared regarding exit strategies and succession plan in our most recent episode, but I guess the uh, the what it takes to ultimately uh, bring in a family business environment people with you who may have never ever thought this was going to be what they needed to do, uh, be involved in the family business. So sit back, hold tight, and listen carefully because there is so much learning. There is so much learning in this next episode that we're sharing and. Uh, it is a pleasure and it is a privilege to be uh, introducing Julie Quinton from Quinton's Super IGA in Warrandyte. A phenomenal story. So, without further ado, I just want to introduce our next, uh, our next, uh, I guess, guest, and more importantly, a more formal part of our um, M500 events is a Champions in Business interview, an integral part. And you don't necessarily need to be someone that's hitting the ball out of the ballpark, but what you need to be is someone that does define this thing called grit. You'd need to define to a certain degree an element of our theme, for which our theme this month is definitely succession plan and, and exit strategy and having a very clear understanding of what is important to you, not so much just urgent, but what is important to you and how are you going about it. So I wish to um, just share a few things. I'm a mother. I'm a stepmother. I'm a grandmother. Not me, the person we're just about to share, right? <laughs> to nine little ones who are all under the age of six. I also offer a considerable element of support to my elderly parents. I own and run a supermarket which currently employs almost 100 staff members. In 2007, I took over the reins of our family business, Quinton's IGA in Warrandyte. 
after a devastating family event. Having had no prior experience in the business, we have survived and thrived since that moment. We have taken some brutal, um, I guess, lessons, but we have consistently shone through and we are in a position of growth. However, in the almost eight years since my position at the helm, I have learned so much, lost so much, been knocked down countless times, have gained confidence in my own abilities, been at the forefront at leading a new direction in the supermarket industry. Not just our little cocoon in Warrandyte, we're talking about the supermarket industry in the last period has stood up and watched what this phenomenal human being has done and have learned some really important life lessons which I believe everyone can apply in their own lives. Before I introduce, I just want to share some quick and fast facts so we understand why Julie Quinton is a champion in business. Quinton Super IGA, the fast facts. An independent family-owned supermarket who support Australian farmers and manufacturing and have an ever-increasing ethical and humane focus on the products stopped has been a client of ours, a personal client, a private client, but also a board of directors, 12 client, that's where she started, for almost three years. An average of 8,000 shoppers with an average of 10,406 transactions per week. An increase in revenue of 3.2% in the last 12 months and an average dollar sale growth of 4.5%, which is against the industry standard. Nine out of the last 12 months have been an increase in revenue and gross profit based on the same period last year. We are heading more and more towards that $20 million revenue, um, I guess, level, but that's not as important as making sure that we're here next year. That means gross profit is the most important thing, guys. 87 team members, of which all senior management participate in the training program at every level. We have a loyalty program of almost 4,000 members, which was introduced to our business two years ago. So in an industry where my fellow independents are either falling behind or are at best staying flatline, and where Metcash, which is our principal supplier, have just announced a $384 million loss for this financial year, we believe we are achieving unprecedented success and we are going to be around for a very long time. So I want everyone to be upstanding for this one. I want to introduce, uh, you deserve this, Julie. Manning and Business of the Year in 2013, a phenomenal human being, Julie Clinton. Just sometimes, we just need to hear that round of applause. <laughs> See, in Australia, we go right out of our way to uh, you know, push that sort of stuff away. And uh, if it's deservant, guys, don't get in the way of it. Does that make sense? If it's deserving, be okay for it. Gratitude is a, uh, a key component of success, as is the acknowledgement that you're working hard and you're achieving what you deserve. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. What was the brutal truth at the crossroad when you needed to take over the management of Clinton Super uh, IGA back then? Right, that was back in uh, March 2007, late March 2007. My, God, now I'm going to cry. <laughs> My husband, Brian, um, who we'd met at school when we were 11. Um, I was in love with him for three years and he wouldn't look at me. And um, <laughs> Anyway, we ended up in a great friendship group, very great friendship, innocent, very innocent, great friendship. Married different people, went our different ways and years later discovered 
each other had divorced and came back together in 2001. So we'd only been married four and a half years. And Brian was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And four and a half months later, he died. <coughs> God. <laughs> so that was the moment. Thanks, sorry. God, I didn't think I was going to be crying this morning. Everybody. <laughs> so suddenly our lives weren't where we thought we were going to be. He bought this business in January 2000. And suddenly in 2007, I made a promise to him to continue on the business. Um, he had three children, he had three kids, I had three kids. Um, and I made a promise to him, because at 49 years of age, he realised that he was never going to meet his future grandchildren. So he wanted to leave something so that they would always know he was here and he had them in mind. So that's my goal, that's my passion. We changed the name from Victory, IGA, um, to Quintons, which is Brian's family name, and as a testament to him. Um, and the dream is that I carry the business on. Um, when I fall off the perch, it goes on to Brian's children, who none of them are actually working in the business. They all have um, professional careers. Um, my, I have a, two of my three children are working in it. And my aim is to make this something that Brian's children never want to sell. Um, so my son Dale has now taken over the reins. Uh, Dale's now 31 and for the last few years I've been building him up to a stage where he can do it and he is and he's doing an amazing job. So um, that's my passion, that's my dream and, and it's not about money. It's not about it. It's about family. It's exactly what Grant said. It's all about family. It's all about wanting to know that our kids are okay and we're creating something that's going to go on forever. Brian's kids are now so excited with it. I think initially, if something had happened to me, they just would have up and sold it. But now they get, they get it. They understand it. They get it. And I've got great dreams for where this business is going to go in the next five years. Yeah, which is which is absolutely. <coughs> yeah. Very relevant for you and where you're at in your stage. At what point did you recognise? I guess you know you took over the business. It was yeah. a whole new industry for oh, you. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely a personable human being. Yeah. So that was never going to be the issue. But the issue of running a business yeah. in an industry that you had no idea about. No. At what point did you recognise that you needed help, and what did you do about it? I um, uh, probably a few years down the track from taking it over, we'd had a couple of major disasters go on. And I felt like I, I'd nearly lost the business on a couple of occasions and I felt like I had to get some help. I felt like I'd reached the end of my knowledge, what I could do. I wasn't a natural retailer. Um, I'm, yes, I'm a people person and I think I'm pretty good at managing people. But it's getting the growth and, and to be able to enact the vision that I wanted to take it to. So that's where I um, went out to seeking Stefan and then that's been amazing. So, but but as far as the um, yeah, thank thank you, think, yep. thank you for that. I, I guess as far as the um, I guess the journey of of, of managing people, yep. managing as many customers as you do in a business like the supermarket, yep. managing the amount of suppliers and products. What was that point of? I think I'm in deep water. 
Um, well, well, it was probably the fact that I, that I had nearly lost the business a couple of times. I was exhausted and I um, felt like, how can I keep bouncing back all the time? How can I... I don't have that knowledge to be able to get it onto the... to, to be able to cement it and grow the people. I needed some help with how I can change the culture, how I can um, change the people. So I guess it was probably more so just out of absolute exhaustion. So when you, when yep. you think about um, where we are right now, and, yep. and, and Dale, for everyone's understanding, is who's, who's Julie's son, who has recently just been appointed as the general manager of this machine, and it is a machine, it's a monster. It's a big, big business with a lot of variables, a lot of floating parts that need to be all working in the same direction. So to Dale's, I guess, disappointment, he had to almost um, go through an interview process. He needed to go through, um, I guess, you know, um, the, the same opportunity as it was when we went out to market. And we, and we had three or four genuine, strong candidates yeah. that applied for the same job. And it was never a gimme that Dale was going to get it. Do you want to talk through that? Because, again, when it comes yeah. to succession planning, and, and the obvious one for many of us who have a, you know, I guess, generational um, opportunity is to give it to our children. And sometimes that's not the best decision. It's not. And if you go through that without a process, it will get you to trouble. So can we just have a chat about, you know, yeah. not only that specifically, but what that means for the future, for the future. of the business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, obviously, my passion has been to build up the family to be able to take over because I really believe, you know, you can get some great people. But in my case, I'd been burned a few times and I really knew how passionate my my kids are about it. Um They've, they've got a reason to be passionate about it. They understand. I mean, I think everybody that works there understands why I'm doing this and where it's going. However, I was really concerned with Dale um, as to whether he was going to be the right fit. He's been a late maturer, as a lot of males are. Some of them very late. Um, Dale, <laughs> Dale's now 31 years of age, and it was like suddenly his 30th birthday came and something just switched on with Dale and he gets it. And however, he's got a great understanding. For probably the last two years he's been, I mean, we've got a full-size supermarket. So over the last two years, Dale has been overseeing all the fresh departments and we've seen growth in all of those areas. Um, but whether he was ready to take over the whole thing, I wasn't sure. I actually spoke to a very um, experienced um, older person who's probably in their mid-40s who could have walked into this and probably turned it on its head. Um, but we decided, you know, I, I almost went with him and I've decided to give Dale the opportunity and we said we would give him six months and it's only been six weeks and the turnaround's been phenomenal. Um, he's got skin in the business, he understands it, he's got the passion, he's got the drive he wants this to work as much as I do. And I'm just so thankful. Stefan helped me ease into that because it was a tough decision to make to put the faith into Dale. I was, probably I'd been let down with him a few times in his earlier years. Um, and I was a bit afraid that he wasn't quite ready to do it, but he's certainly ready to do it. And he's at the perfect age and he's just running with it and proving to everybody what a great success it's going to be. So, How do you view your industry and where it's going and what exactly have you done? It's just for your business, which also gives us a roadmap for the future, 
is yeah. defining our way of doing things. Okay. So the supermarket industry, as you know, you get bombarded on the television. It's all Coles and Woolies. In fact, Coles and Woolies control 85% of the supermarket industry here in Australia, and that's unheard of anywhere else in the world. So our government's allowed that to happen. Um, now with Aldi coming in and Little are coming in, Aldi's actually the silent assassins. They're just creating market share. They're just sneaking up, sneaking up. In fact, probably just over 12 months ago, we had a regional meeting for the eastern suburbs of Melbourne and we were told 27 Aldi's had opened in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. They're just quietly just popping up everywhere and they're just taking market share. And the independents are just losing the battle. And our problem is... Metcash, who we get our groceries from, they're doing their deals with the suppliers and then they keep their margin. And so it's not like the direct suppliers with Coles and Woolies that are buying directly and they can cut it right down. So every time we would go to Metcash and say, we can't do this, we're cutting our margins finer and finer to barely nothing, there's IGAs folding up left, right and centre. They just kept saying, well, just cut your margins. Now, all of a sudden, Metcash are going through major losses and they're cutting their margins. So, um, but in saying that, I've been, I've, got, I've been frustrated with Metcash and the way the industry's been going um, and probably the mentality of a lot of fellow IGA owners. Um, I'm not a retailer. I've come into this business as a shopper. So I'm a mum who's bought for my kids. I know what I look for. And that's what I've implemented in my business. So after a little while, Stefan helped me see that actually, to all of a sudden stop worrying about what the others are doing, just focus on what I'm doing. And since I've done that, our success has just kept growing and growing. We've really cemented a following. Um, but long-term future, I think Metcash should, should be standing for supporting Aussie supporting Aussie manufacturers, supporting Aussie farmers, because this berry thing has just opened it up for everybody that all of a sudden we all realise, oh, my God, what is happening to our food industry? There's stuff going. I mean, Jackie's here from Yarra Valley Gourmet, and we support a lot of their products. And um, companies like that that really need to go um, and really deserve, you know, it's all Australian. It's, it's grown here. It's, it's people's jobs. We've got the best standards in the world, but the supermarket industry aren't supporting Australia. So that's what we're doing. So we're telling people that's what we're doing. We're going out of our way. We're sourcing more and more products, humane, ethical. I mean, I made a decision in September last year um, and it was a moral decision. I used to say to Brian, my late husband, we stop stocking caged eggs. And he used to say, oh, Julie, I'd like to get rid of them, but they're telling me that there's a market for them. I'm going to restrict, you know, it's a price point. People come in just for that price point. And if I do it, I'm potentially going to turn customers away. So after Brian died, I started, without customers realising it, taking the decision away from them. So I kept increasing sourcing more and more free-range organic eggs from high-end free-range farms and just cage eggs were just on the bottom shelf. And then one day in September last year, I saw a photo that Animals Australia had sent out on their Facebook page of this poor creature that I didn't even know what it was. And it turned out to be a hen from a battery farm. And I went in that day and I just said, put a sign up, no more caged eggs. We're not stocking them anymore. And my silent little thing, in fact, six weeks before, one of the managers from Metcash had been out and I told him that I was going to stop stocking caged eggs. And he said, are you an idiot? 
you're going to turn people away. People come in here for that. So I actually, when I made my decision, it was purely on my own morals, and I thought I'm going to cop so much backlash for this. So just do it quiet. We don't announce it. We just we're no longer going to do it. And a customer saw it and contact, contacted Animals Australia and the RSPCA. Consequently, a week later, I'm contacted by them and say that they're absolutely thrilled. And to their knowledge, I'm the first supermarket in Australia that's made that decision. Well, <laughs> so. <laughs> So that, that was an absolute surprise to me, but what came, that went insane. They announced it nationally. We were absolutely bombarded with people from all over Australia, not only from Australia, from all over the world, from other countries saying, oh my God, this is unbelievable. I wish our supermarkets in this country would do this. So it, what I learned, what kept coming within the vegan population, that we discovered how many vegans were out there. That, oh, that's great. Now can you stop stocking anything with animal products in it? Can you stop, <laughs> can you stop stocking this? But what that uncovered was how many vegans were around and we, we did a forum. You know, Stefan talks about doing forums with your customers and we did a forum with some vegans and um, discovered that it, how difficult it is for them because they have to travel all over Melbourne to get the products that they need. So they, we've focused on that. We've now got a huge vegan following that are coming from, we've, in fact, we know of two from Wood End who travel once a fortnight to Warrandyte to do all of their shopping because they can get everything in the one spot. So it's quite interesting. So we, it's given me the confidence to all those things that I am passionate about, the palm oil, in all the products, you know, the, um, the, the treatment of animals. We, we're going to more and more, we're sourcing humane meats for our meat department from humane farms where they're free range, where they're not fed grains and with chemicals in them and what have you. So we're going more in that direction. It's given me the confidence to go that way. IGA still, Metcash still sort of go, oh, she's fluffing around again, but... Interestingly enough, for all their promotional stuff, they've just recently had a um, camera crew out interviewing our customers on what they love about our store, which they're going to be using in their promotional stuff. So, oh, wow. um, so we, I think we are on the right track. I think we're getting a following, and um, and I think that's what the conscientious moral shopper wants. But ultimately, you're leading that. I am, because that's As what I. Because that's what business. I. Yeah, and I. Yeah. And this is the most important thing, guys. No one should tell you what you need to do in your business for your chosen target market. There are two critical points in that phrase: you being told, and you being in a very clear understanding who is your target market. If you have no idea about your target market, then anyone can tell you anything, and you'll do everything, and nothing will go nowhere. Does that make sense? The better you get a grip on who you are and what is important to you, and ultimately who are the clients, which are the clients that you need to be serving and continuously serving, the better you'll be. You just stick to your grounds. The first phase, the first wave of that is the most difficult. So well done. Just very quickly, just a couple more questions here. Where do you think your business will be in two to five years' time? We talk about children and succession planning and all that. How are you constantly looking at your succession plan? So we talked about dreams before. You know, I have dreams. I have big dreams. Um, it would have been easy just to sell up, but that's not what I want to do. Um, my plan is to have another business within five years. My son's telling me we'll have it in two. Um, it may not be the same model as what we've got, but that's what we're going to do. We're creating a name for ourselves and we've, we've created a brand that people travel 
to shop with us because of. So we will look at having another business within that period and hopefully then more. And then on with that, then I will create a structure in the business where then Brian's kids will become incorporated. We will have like a board structure. We will be making decisions like a real business. And, um, and I see this going on for these little grandchildren that are coming at a mighty rate. <laughs> <laughs> is it nine under six? Is all it... No, it's uh, uh, seven, yeah, nine under nine six. Nine under six, yes, there you yes, go. They are coming is. at a rapid rate. They are. Life is good. Well it done. It's great. Questions? Any questions? Julia? You know, Stefan said to me one day, we were talking about getting someone and uh, employ someone, and I said, oh, I can't afford it. And he said to me, why can't you afford it? And I said, oh, well, you know, we're trying to keep costs down and, and he, you know, let's just pick up a figure of 100000 Let's say you had to pay someone 100000 And Stefan said, but how much business would that mean to you if you got that person worth that money? And all of a sudden that was a light bulb moment for me. That is right. You get the right people in there that can take over. I've, I've now built this up to a state that I don't have to be there all the time now. I can go away for a month and know that it's all ticking because we've trained everybody so well that we'll just go with, without them. So you, you really need, I think, you need to get someone else who can also replicate. You, and, and, I mean, you get another person, that's two people bringing the work in. So... That, that would be my advice to, and, and money can be a constraint, I understand that, but then if you look at the bigger picture, you take, you bite the bullet, you pay that extra wage, but you have stipulations on what's expected and you're monitoring that person all the time. You could be bringing in twice the amount of work and then all of a sudden you've got backup. Julie, it sounds like it catches in some ways a hindrance thing. Because at what point do you sort of say, okay, we're we now at a, a stable where it's now going and break my video? Yeah, well, I've been. I have one video. I still need that. I still need that. But no, 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 I, I have seriously considered dropping the IGA <clears throat> logo because sometimes I think that is a hindrance. Um, I'm just sitting tight now just to wait and see what they do with this. They're finally getting a proper marketing campaign, which I've always, it's been a frustration. Yeah, well, we've been doing that price match. They, they, we all had to sign up to price match. I was against it, but it's their only chance of survival. And they've now got a forward thinking marketing campaign, which is probably the best I've ever seen so far. So, um, but yeah, that is on the cards that potentially we might just become Quinton's Fine Foods or Quinton's something or other. And, uh, but I would still be supplying, you know, obviously I would need the Kellogg's and the Arnott's and everything need to come through a wholesaler. But we, I actually don't follow the rules as far as that goes. I think I'm meant to get 85% of my stock through Metcash, but I go to directs like Yarra Valley um, Gourmet and things. We, we have so many directs. 
Um, but they don't say anything because I'm doing so well. So <laughs> the key is if you're doing well. Yeah. You're allowed to pay the people. Well, yeah. Eddie, just want to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. I get you like the family to keep the business and you like to keep the family. I get all that. Yeah. You know, I actually want to come work yeah. <laughs> Can you do my hair every day? So, what I'm seeing that we're talking about sort of long term and sometimes things happen. What I'm getting is if the kids didn't want to continue with this. Yeah. Okay. Would that alter your actual strategy and how would you sort of go about that? Yeah, it may. It may. Um, I don't. I actually was thinking about that yesterday. If the kids didn't want to be in it, Brian's kids hadn't want, didn't want to be in it. Um, but a couple of them have got partners now that possibly could be in it. That can be tricky too. So I'm not sort of introducing that until I'm sure. Um, but yeah, in saying that, I, th I still think if you get the right people and you look after the right people, so if you identify who can grow with you, who, can, who you can take on the journey and whether it's some sort of profit share or something that, that you're giving those people to keep them passionate about the business, it's, it's about developing that culture, I guess, isn't it? So if you haven't got family, then that would be the way to go. One thing I don't get is we talk about the right people sometimes, mm. but from where I look sometimes is people look to you the way that they actually look. So if I think Stephen's the right person, mm. if anything Stephen does, it's going to be right. Mm. This, this is how it's I an attitude. Sort of look. Yeah, so it's mm. more of a mm. thing. So I get that, but you know, the other thing that I'm finding a bit hard to see is at the moment, your partner's kids are not involved in this mm. and your kids are. Yep. But God forbid them maybe the wrong life, but when you, you know, mm. one pass away, the business will go into your partner's kids. Unless I get another business, then we'll sit down, we're going to have a big family meeting and we'll change, change all the rules. But so far, that's sort of where... So far, that's... That's a, that, conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are living that as it was today. Yeah. yeah. In a strategic conversation. Yeah. yeah. So we're role-playing that. Okay, George, what would happen if? Mm. How would that work for us? Is no, this okay with you? Yeah. So we're doing that. If your kids are already there, then yeah. time is going to be involved. The, kids, the, the yeah. children that are there at the moment... Yeah. The children that are there at the moment, the children that are there at the moment are there in accordance with a KPI driver accountability structure. They have no God-given right to be. Does that make sense? So they're important. And this is the yeah, difference. This is the difference. The challenge with family-run businesses, and I'm born and bred for one from, is that it just gets passed on because you know that's just the right thing to do. Well, not in this day and age, it's not. You will not leave a legacy or a returning aspect of a business that has an opportunity to do that if you're just saying, oh, it's sixty percent right. I'll get him to do it or her to do it. Because that's my daughter or my son. That's just not the way 2015 rock and roll is. I've got one more question. This is a very quick <laughs> This one always gets me. We, I walked into the supermarket and I'm looking for chicken. Mm -hmm. And I found a chicken breast that said, I'm supposed to get food. Mm -hmm. 
But I thought RSPCA dealt with white onions. <laughs> so that means so RSPCA have approved the conditions on that farm. I get it, but then they end up dead, right? and the staff are always so friendly, and her passion for local producers is just phenomenal. So, thank, Ab you. thank you. Absolutely. One of the first conversations <laughs> Julie and I had were, it's just so hard to get young kids to be committed. I said, mm. the moment you start treating them like um, this is their launching pad to the customer service career for their life versus the just checkout chicks, mm. the moment you change your language around that, you'll have people that want to be with you mm. for the rest of their lives, and we've mastered that. So the whole thing about cleanliness, structure, courtesy, product has got to be A grade and if it's not, it's in the bin. That, to the best of our ability, as conscious as we can be, mm. is the way we go forward. And can I just say, just quickly, can I just, really quickly, can I just say, our staff don't turn over like they used to. We've created a culture now where they want to stay. We've got uni kids that are doing engineering degrees and aeronautical degrees and absolutely everything. They're our duty managers. These guys have got the keys to the place. They've got everything. We look after them, but they don't want to leave. And often they'll go off and start careers, even apprenticeships or whatever it is, and they come back and they still work. But what can I just say? What I would say to you to identify, take the people on the journey with you. Take, let them know what your passion is and what your dream is and show them the opportunities that are there for them. And maybe that's why that's a way of getting them to really give you more input and passion. Mm. Julie, one final question I have to ask you. What would you say to any serious, only the serious business owners, mm. in the room regarding board directors 12, the program? I think it's, it's fantastic. I mean, when my son, uh, Adam, I've got one child who has, is not in the business, he's an electrician with his own business, and he signed up with Stefan and a few years ago, and Adam said to me, you've got to go and see this guy, Mum. And I'm going, oh, serious? Like, you know, what's he doing this business for? If he's, if he's that good, why is he doing his own? <laughs> and I said, well, this is his business. And, and, and then meeting Stefan, and Stefan has been so grounding for me um, and showing me direction. You know, I, I'm a bit of a visionary. I have that idea and this idea and, 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 and then how, which one am I going to go with first and how am I going to get there? And he's helped me channel that. He's helped show me what is really important. We've brainstormed so many ideas where I've wanted to go but then haven't had the confidence and he's shown me how to get there. And Stefan's been invaluable as to where we are now. I just recommend anyone who's thinking about it, do it. I mean, I don't have to say that, um, but I, I just know how, what he's meant to our business has been amazing. He's, my son Dale has been under Stefan's guidance now for the last 12 months, I suppose, 18 months, one-on-ones, and, and that has been really instrumental in getting Dale where he is now. He's, he just gets it all of a sudden. He just understands it. All the dots have joined, and, oh, yeah, just do it. Just do it. That's what Thank I'd say. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Stefan Kazakis from Business Benchmark Group, and wow, we what a sharing! I just love, I just love what uh, Julie uh, was prepared to, I guess, be really transparent and uh, and honest with everyone during that interview, and more importantly, her uh, her vulnerability, but her sincerity, her authenticity came through in spades, and and she she has continued to to to. Uh, go on that journey. I mean, recently she was uh, awarded an OAM uh, medal, and uh, again, just continues to be a a, a reference for uh, decency and uh, everything that's good in our uh, in in our in our world as uh, as human beings, but also as committed and and uh, devoted business owners, regardless of the good and the bad. And and I just love what she uh, what she said towards the end there regarding you know. Take the people on the journey with you. You know, let them know what your passion is and what your dream is, and show them the opportunities that are there for them. That will make them and give them a greater chance for more input and greater passion. And you know, one of my greatest uh, learnings in my journey as a business owner and a business leader, you know, um, and and consistently in the good as it is in the bad. You know, the reference point of passion. Is not a genius. Passion is not something that I can read in a book and go and do it. You know, passion is something that comes from deep down, and it's in the uh, it's in that place called the fire in the belly. And passion is not a genius. You know, if you're going to do something, do it great. If you're going to do something, be honest about hey, maybe right now is the time for me to be at 100. percent But tomorrow, I'm back. You know, there is so much to learn from what Julie just shared from us, but there is so much to learn from your own journey. Be okay to reflect. Be okay to be really clear about what's working and what's not working. Be honest. It's okay. Be really clear about what happened this week that should not have happened. What didn't happen that should have happened. Be really clear about that. Be be so accountable to the answers that those particular questions deliver for you. And and more importantly, be okay that, uh, you know what, as long as we're clear about what did work and what didn't work in the past, we have such an opportunity. We have such an opportunity for being really clear about what is the opportunity and or iceberg that is looming and what is the gap that needs to be closed in. What is the gap that we need to ultimately reduce as the obstacle between where we are and where we need to be? I'm Stefan Kazakis, Business Benchmark Group. We make a difference. We are committed to continuously making a difference. We have a Board of Directors 12 program starting in a week's time. We really, really, really encourage every one of you to help us as we continue to help you to introduce us to people that you believe are business owners on the crossroad for the next level of greatness. If they have five or more people on their team, please do your bit as we will continue to do our bit to grow this community as a movement, as a force. I'm Stefan Kazakas, Business Benchmark Group, where every small business owner can achieve big business success. For more information about Business Benchmark Group's coaching, education, and training programs, visit businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au or call 03-9001-0878. If you liked this podcast, please rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and leave feedback as well. Stefan shares so much value in all his podcasts, and we encourage you to go through the archives and listen to other episodes of the Business Benchmark Group podcast. Thank you for listening.